Praise the Lord. Everyone is going to come and share what the Lord's done. Hi, I'm Fiona, as you've been told. Um, I'm originally from Birkenhead, which is over the water from Liverpool in England. But I've been living in Kilkeel, not that you'd know by my accent, but I've been living in Kilkeel for 23 years. So um, I'm just going to share tonight how I came to know the Lord. And I'm going to start off with a verse from Romans 10:14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him? of whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? You know, my earliest memory um, of my childhood would be when I was eight, and I was um, very, very badly bullied at school, because my mum is from Kilkeel and my dad's from Donegal, but they met in Liverpool. So I, you know, just to complicate things, so obviously I was born in England, I had the same accent as everybody around me, but... It was the height of the troubles over here, and people picked up that my parents were Irish, and so I was bullied because of that, and it was pretty bad. It was really bad, and I went through that for a year at the age of eight and didn't tell anyone, didn't tell no one, because my mum, there was free after me at that point. There's more now, but there was free at that point, and I just always felt my mum was sad. You know, I always picked that up. I didn't know why, I just felt she was sad, and I didn't want to go to her and make her sadder. So I didn't tell anyone. But eventually it came to a head, and my mum took me out of the school. But it was to have a big effect on the way I saw myself and the way I thought about life. Because I'd been singled out of a class of 40 to be bullied, to be beaten, to be spat at. And I couldn't understand why. So I just thought, there's something wrong with me, you know, that people did this to me. They didn't do it to anybody else. They did it to me. So I truly believed there was something wrong with me. And it was perfectly acceptable for people to treat me like dirt. You know, it was fine. It was it was acceptable as far as I was concerned. Um, because I felt I was good. I wasn't a bad child. And I said my prayers, you know. So, But this still happened, you know. So there was something wrong. When I was about 10, 11, I began to realize that my dad was basically a drunk. Um, you know, I didn't know he was a drunk, but I knew he wasn't like other dads. Um, I knew he didn't come home and get his tea and he didn't do stuff with us. Um, I didn't see much of him at a young age, but I heard him. And what I heard wasn't good. Um, I just could see that it was hard on my mum. I could see, you know, she was struggling she kept having children. She had seven of us all together. The last one she had when I was 17. And I remember, obviously, I'd figured out how this works by then. And I was kind of like horrified that she would bring another child into the world with a dad like my dad, you know, because I knew that my dad only cared about himself and the drink. And every penny he earned, he spent it on drink and left us without. Um, you know, as you get older, if someone's drunk and they're talking and they're slabbering, you're just like, whatever. But when you're a child, you take what a adult is saying, literally. So everything he said, I took literally. But then when I was like 16, he used to call me awful things, and he used to say some really bad things to me. Um, it really affected me. Um, he was very just horrible to me and my br the next brother after me. Um, 
I left home anyway at a very young age and I got a bed sick and I just basically went off the rails. Um, I was working, I had a job, but I worked hard and I partied even harder. I was the queen of party. I was the ultimate party girl. You know, I put on this big facade. You know, I was out for the laugh, out for the crack. And I made people laugh, you know, but when I thought people were laughing with me, they were laughing at me. But, you know, I couldn't see that then. I was just like, oh, people like me, people like me. They want to be my friend, but they didn't. You know, it's just a drunken facade that you get into. And because I hated myself because I drank and, you know, because of my dad and everything else. And when I looked in the mirror, I was a double of them. And I hated that. I hated when people said it. And I did go on and develop anorexia. To me, the anorexia with me, it was never about weight because at that point I, was, I wasn't, I didn't have any weight on me. It was about being able to control something. I couldn't control my mind, my emotions, my feelings. I couldn't control my life, but I could control my body and I could stay skinny and I had power over that. And that's kind of how I was my battle with anorexia. I also had really, really bad anxiety. I used to have very bad nightmares and take panic attacks, which basically would have just took the breath clean out of me. They were very, very severe. But going for help wasn't an option for me because to me, these professionals, they didn't have a clue. They didn't know what it was like, you know, to live the life that I'd lived. So I didn't tell people what my dad was like because there was a sense of shame, you know, in them days you didn't, you, you weren't open. You know, you, you kept everything swept under the carpet. You know, you didn't talk about them things. And because of that, I, I always felt very lonely. And I always, as a child, I had this desperate need inside of me for someone to come and to help help me and help my family. And as an adult, I had that same need that someone would just come and show me love, real, real love, and just be there for me. And I always had that that need and that want in me and I always went to the wrong places and the wrong things in order to get it um I as I said I began to party hard at first for about three maybe about three years I was a big drinker but not like every well I took two nights off you know and I just I just lived to to go out and just party 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 um eventually drink wasn't enough drink wasn't doing it it wasn't um it wasn't getting rid of all these things memories and stuff so I I got into drugs um I got into like le um recreational drugs um which I thought was perfectly fine it's no big deal you know everybody's doing it but I got addicted and I got addicted very very quickly I got addicted probably within a month you know, where I, I had to have them. I had to take something to get me through the day. And then I had to take something else to party that night. And then I had to take something else to get me through the next day. And I would maybe go for four or five days not sleeping. And then I had to take something to make me sleep. And it, I was basically ended up that my body was chemically controlled, you know. Um, when you go in, into that lifestyle and into that scene, it gets dark. It gets very, very dark. And what started off as, as a bit of crack ended up in a very, I ended up in a very bad place. I seen things, terrible things. I heard terrible things. And I never, ever thought that I would ever end up in that lifestyle ever, but I did. And then something, like, something happened to me. 
um, I'm aware that there's children here, but something happened to me and it's just something that, you know, a woman or a man does not want to happen to them. You know, it's just, you just don't want that to happen to you. And it did. And it was horrific. And, um, I could not deal with this. I, I just, I couldn't begin to deal with it. So I decided that I was just going to, you know, the mind's a wonderful thing. And I just trained my mind to keep blocking it out and keep blocking it out and keep pushing it back and keep pushing it back. Drink, take drugs, do anything. Just don't think about that. Just don't think about it. Pretend it didn't happen. Pretend it was a bad dream. But it did happen and it did have a big, big effect. Eventually, my mum moved over to Kilkeel with my younger brothers and sisters. And I, fo I followed shortly after to give her a hand. And I ended up settling in Kilkeel, getting married and having three children. Now, I absolutely love being a mother. I, I, I love being a mother. I love my children dearly. But it was, for me, motherhood was a constant battle. My children gave me something to live for. Because up until I had them, I never really felt like I had anything to live for. But they gave me something to live for. But I had to fight. You know, I had to, I had, there was so much I hadn't dealt with. And I had to fight my way through anxiety, through depression, through, through like tra traumatic trauma. I had to fight my way every day. I had to fight these demons. And, you know, my mind was, it was messed up. It was damaged. It was damaged by the drugs that I'd taken, but it was damaged by what had happened to me. And I fought and I fought and I fought for my children, but I was always desperately unhappy, um, empty inside. And I always remember thinking, has to be more. There's something missing. There's just something missing from my life, but I don't know what it is, but I just know there has to be more. Um, just an ache that I couldn't fill. And it got to the point five years ago where I couldn't fight Mentally, I couldn't fight anymore. And I knew, I knew I wasn't well. I knew I needed help, but I was scared. You know, I didn't want to go down the medical route. I didn't want to be like sectioned or given all these drugs and that I couldn't look after my children. And I was scared, really, really scared. And I just remember sitting thinking, is there not another way, you know? And then I got talking to one of my friends and she just turned around and just randomly said to me, and I mean randomly, do you believe in God? And I was like, well, of course I do. I was brought up Catholic. I was very offended, <laughs> you know, that she'd asked me that. <laughs> and um, I said, yes, of course I do. And then she started saying about how Jesus could help me. And she gave me this book, and it was called The Power of Prayer. And... I thought this was well weird, you know, this, what is, what is wrong? What is going on? What is this? Um, I took it in, this book in, and I kept kind of looking at it and I couldn't stop looking at it, you know, as much as I wanted to, I couldn't. But as I began to read this little book, I read about how, how you can have a relationship with Jesus. Now, I'd never heard this, this stuff before. And I couldn't get my head around this because I thought, you know, it said about talking to Jesus, you know, and I'm like, me, me, like seriously, me, talk to Jesus. How I can't do that because you, you go you go to church and then you tell the priest or, or the minister or whatever church, you, you tell them, and then they talk to Jesus for you. 
That's what you do. Or you pray to Mary and she does it. That's what was in my head. It never, ever occurred to me or I would never have believed that you could talk directly to Jesus. And that blew me away. That just blew me away. And it, I was scared to do it because I thought, no, I just, I don't know. Maybe I thought like a big, a big stick had come down from heaven and, and beat me up or something. I don't know what. I was terrified. But then this one day I just thought, I, well, you know what? I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to see, I'm going to see, does he listen? I'm going to see, is it okay? And I went for a walk and I was kind of like introducing myself, you know, like he didn't know who it was. And I was like, hello, I'm Fiona and, and I hope you don't mind. And you know, this is kind of the way it was going. And I was doing this for like ages. And then I just felt this, like, I don't know, like this peace, like, and I just started to tell Jesus what was up here. And I'd never, ever told anyone what was really going on up here. And I started to tell Jesus. So each day I was doing this. And then I began to realize that as I was telling Jesus what was up here, it was leaving me. It was like it was going and it was going up there and it wasn't coming back. And I began to think, is he, he must be real. He must be real. And it says in Psalm 33, 4, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. So I just began to realize that Jesus was real, and that Jesus was alive, and that I wasn't talking to the sky. And I wasn't losing it. And I didn't have an imaginary friend, which was all the things I was kind of telling myself. But this, this was real. This was happening. And, and Jesus was there. And then I began to think, I wonder, I wonder, could Jesus fix me? I wonder, could he fix my mind? So I don't have to go to doctors and all that stuff. And I began to wonder about this. And then I had a really bad anxiety attack in the house. Um, all I remember is I fell on, I fell down on my knees and everything was black and I couldn't get my breath. Um, I remember just shouting, Lord, help. And that was the first time I'd called Jesus Lord. It was the first time I'd ever even used that word. And I, that's what I shouted. That was it. And as soon as I got them two words out, I just felt this peace this peace just coming into me and my breathing going back to normal and just this overwhelming peace that I'd never never known in my life. And I heard a voice just say to me, be still and know that I am God. And no one could ever have come into that room and told me that wasn't God because I know it was. I know God spoke to me. And I, I was just, I couldn't get up. I was just, I couldn't believe that God spoke to me, me. I was, you know, God spoke to me because I was still like, but, you know, the state of me and the things I've done and, and all that, but it didn't matter because I knew that God had spoke to me. And not long after that, I went into the bathroom and I got down on my knees and I just said, Lord, I need you. I really, really need you. And I really, really want you. I want you to be with me. I want you to be in my life. I want you to just come and take over. Just, just, just take over. Just, just do, do what, what, what you want. But just be with me and don't leave me. Don't ever leave me. And I felt his presence coming into that bathroom. And just the love, 
the love was just I didn't want to I just wanted to stay in that moment you know I didn't want to I didn't want it to be over I because that love was just it was amazing you know it's I can't even describe it and just the peace and the hope and then when I felt the holiness then I began to real you know feel the holiness of his presence and then I realized that you know I was guilty and I needed to be forgiven now I'd never heard the gospel so I didn't know anything about you know repentance and all that there but I knew I was just led to just just say Jesus forgive me and I said if have I got to tell you all my sins because I'm going to be here for the next year I'll be here years you know and I just felt the Holy Spirit say just ask for forgiveness and that's what I did and I just felt all of that guilt and all of that shame leave me in Isaiah 54 4 do not fear for you will not be ashamed neither be disgraced for you will not be put to shame for you will forget the shame of your youth when I came to live in Ireland I was 24 just turned 24 and a lot of my cousins I had loads of cousins I'm from a big big family so I had loads of cousins like my age and they were all married you know and a nice wedding and nice house and, and all that and they were respectable and then there was me you know <laughs> and I used to like you know I used to look at them and I used to feel so ashamed of me and the life that I'd lived and I like I would never talk. They'd say, what was it like in Liverpool? And what was it like? And I'd be, yeah, it was great, it was great, it was great. But I'd never tell them anything because I didn't want them to judge me. I didn't want them to look down their noses at me. And I did feel a lot of shame about some of the stuff I'd done. But, you know, in that moment in that bathroom, that shame was lifted from me. And that guilt was lifted from me. And that self-disgust and that self-hate, it was lifted from me. And it was gone. It was no more. I was I was clean, you know, I was new. And it didn't matter no more. It just didn't matter no more. I believed in my head from some of the teaching I'd heard that you some people get a penance. This isn't this is wrong, so don't jump down my throat here, okay? I know this is wrong now, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so some people when they're suffering in life, it's their penance to get them into heaven, you see. So if they suffer this in their life, then then they'll get to heaven. So I honestly believe that the way I was battling my mental like my mental struggles was my penance because of the wrong things I'd done. But then I, I knew straight away that that was an absolute lie. That was a lie from the pit of hell. And that, you know, it wasn't the way it is. And, you know, Jesus gave me then, he gave me like, um, he gave me hope. He gave me complete fulfillment in my heart and in my soul. You know, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, when you don't know Jesus, you are constantly chasing after the wind because you're trying to make yourself happy. You're trying to make yourself fulfilled. You, you, you just want to feel okay. So you're constantly chasing after all of these different things. And these things might work for a little while, but they'll not work for good. And that is because we have all got this massive, massive gap inside of us that only Jesus can fill. 
And only Jesus can rescue us and save us and lift us from the grave. The enemy of this world is the devil. And the devil will do his level best to keep you from Jesus. And he will point you to everything, everything but Jesus. He'll keep, he'll keep directing you away from Jesus because he doesn't want you to be saved. But it says in the Bible that the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. And that is, what, that is exactly what he does, what it says in the Bible. He steals. He steals your innocence. He steals your joy. He steals your peace. And he takes away your hope. He kills families. He kills relationships. And he kills your body bit by bit. And eventually, he destroys your whole life. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. And that's what Jesus came to do. When Jesus forgives your sin, he doesn't just forgive your sin. He takes it. He takes it. I teach children and I say, Jesus takes your sin and he drops it in the deepest ocean, never to be seen again. And that's what he does. He doesn't remind you of it two weeks later. It's gone. It's done. It's dealt with. Um, Jesus gives us a peace, a peace that passes all understanding. And the reason it passes all understanding is because no matter how crazy your life gets or how tough it gets, you don't lose that peace. That peace stays with you. That joy, it stays with you. Jesus heals your past. He heals you from it. He heals your emotions. He, he takes all them burdens. He takes them, everything that's weighing you down. He lifts it from upon you. And his mercy is never ending because he forgives your sin the day you ask him to, but he forgives you every day from then. You know, he's so merciful and his gr amazing grace. Jesus will give you eternal life. Jesus will lead you into heaven. The devil will lead you straight to hell. So in that bathroom on the 19th of December, 2013, I was saved, but I didn't know I was saved. I mean, like, I didn't know the terminology. That's what I mean by that. I just knew that Jesus had come into my life and he'd taken away all the dirt and all the guilt and that's the way I looked at it. Um, I just felt like a child. I was so happy. I was just so happy. I felt like I was like five or something. I just wanted to skip around and jump around and just sing. And I only knew two hymns and I kept singing them over and over and over and over and talking to Jesus all the time. I didn't want to talk to anyone else. I just wanted to talk to Jesus. I was like, can everyone just go away? I just wanted to be with Jesus. And I started to pray, really pray. And I loved lying face down. And I remember my kids wondering why I was sleeping so much. <laughs> and then I told them that I was praying. And they were like, you know, um, that was kind of the reaction. I was going to get a lot. But I didn't have a Bible. I'd never read a Bible. And I found a Gideon Bible in the house. So it started, you know, the, in the front of the Gideon Bible, and it says, like, situations, and then it gives you a verse. So I started looking at one each day, um, and then verses were, were meaning something to me. They were, they were special to me. They were really, really touching my heart. I then started to realize that I was actually a Christian, and um, <laughs> it kind of occurred to me. And um, I was like, okay, so I need to meet other Christians but I didn't know any. I didn't know where they were and, you know, how you find these Christian people. Um, but 
then I, I, I don't know. I didn't make the connection with church. I just didn't. <laughs> so, and I'd go in the town and I'd see people coming out of church. And to me, they looked, they scared the life out of me. They, they really did. They scared the life out of me. Uh, you know, in these suits and these Bibles and, you know, <laughs> they just scared me. I just, I don't know. They just really scared me. Um, I was absolutely terrified to go into a church, terrified. And at first I was I was okay for a while, but then the need to learn the word of God was getting bigger and bigger and bigger in me, and the hunger was getting more and more. And I would stop outside of churches, and I would read the posters, you know, the way there'd be a Bible verse. And I would read the verse, and I didn't, most of the time I didn't have a clue what it meant, but sometimes I did a little bit. But then I couldn't understand why there was a name and a number under them, you know, the the book and the chapter and the, I couldn't understand. I was like, what, what, what is that? I didn't know nothing. I, I knew absolutely nothing, zero, but I knew Jesus <laughs> and I knew Jesus was with me. And Jesus was saying to me, I, you need to, I want you to be taught my word. And I wanted to be taught his word, but I didn't know how this was going to happen. People like me don't go into places like that. They, they just don't. Um, I don't talk right. I don't dress right. I don't do nothing right, really, you know. And But then it started to really break my heart because I began to think, I love Jesus. And there has to be other people who love Jesus. And I want to be with them people. And the Lord eventually did, did lead me to a church because he told me that he was going to be with me. I was scared of my family and friends, how they were going to react to me going to church. And there's a whole, you know, Protestant Catholic thing as well, like which in where I lived, it was a real, you know, it's a real Catholic area. And, you know, I was scared, but the Lord gave me the strength and he led me to a church and I did get a lot of flack. I'm not saying I didn't, I did, but Jesus gave me the strength to just let it just bounced off me because I just kept looking to him. I just kept looking to him, and no matter what was spoke over me or what was said, I would just run to him. I kept running to him with it, and he just kept ministering to me and speaking me through it. And then I was kind of struggling because in church it was a whole new world. It was a whole new world, and I couldn't understand half of the stuff that was being preached. I was only picking up little bits. But Jesus said to me, you will hear what I want you to hear, and you will know what I want you to know little by little bit by bit, and it was baby steps. It was baby steps. Um, I did eventually settle into going to church and being a Christian, and I began to hear about um, good news clubs, Sunday schools, and all this. This was all new to me too. And when I found out what that was, I had this real passion inside of me. It come from Well, it come from the Lord. Um, it was a real passion for children that weren't being taught God's word, for people and not just children, but for people like me that didn't have a clue about anything. And just a desire for them to hear it, but not from me now. Remember, you know, not get someone, you know, else that knows what they're doing. But this one day I was in the kitchen and I was looking out of my window and there was a gang of kids playing. And what I was just looking at these children. And the next minute I just broke down and I couldn't stop sobbing. I mean, my heart was breaking for these children. And I was, I knew it wasn't my tears. And it wasn't my heart that was breaking. And I just heard the Lord say to me, you tell them children about me. And I knew that he was, ta- he was calling, giving me a calling. But if, I was like, but can you not get someone else? You know, I'll help them. 
I'll get the kids, but let someone else do the, the talking. Because I've saved eight months, and I didn't know one end of the... I still didn't really know that much. But I did have a good news club two weeks later, but I got someone to come and do it for me. And the children came in, and when I seen them children in my living room, on that estate, hearing the word of God, oh my, the blessing was just... It was just unreal. It was so special, so, so precious and so, so special. And whenever they left and everything, I just prayed. And I said, Lord, if this is meant to be, then you'll show me. And a few days later, there was a knock on the door and it was six little girls. Fiona, will you do a Bible club for us? And I was like, yeah, of course I will. And shut the door. (laughs) What have I done? So the first three months, I had them children in every Friday and I hadn't really grasped the full concept of the gospel. You know, I still didn't truly understand it. But for them three months, that's what I focused on, teaching them children and breaking it down so they could understand exactly who Jesus was and what Jesus had done for them and why they needed to be saved. And them three months, I'll always treasure. It was so special. You know, it was real basic, but it taught me as well as them children and then I went on one of them, um, TCE, is it TCE? I don't even know. One of them courses for teaching children through the CEF. I went on one of them, oh my word. And the first time I went, I was horrified. I was like, get me out of here now, now, do something. I just, I've always had, like, always had this thing about not fitting in, you know, not, I, not dressing right and talking right. That was still very much up here. But someone said to me, are you a Sunday school teacher? And I thought that was the most hilarious thing I'd ever heard in my life. I am now a Sunday school teacher. (laughs) But at that point, it was like, no way, no way. I can't teach Christian children. They, They need to teach me, you know. But I did that course. And after that course, I began to bring in CEF material. And that CEF material is absolutely fantastic. It's brilliant. And that is what has and still does teach me the Bible. Um, the first things I started learning from that was about David. And this is when I first began to relate to the people in the Bible. And when I read about how David, because you have to remember, this is all new to me. You know, I was I didn't know until this point who David was or Noah or Moses or anybody. And so I was learning with these children. So the first prophet I learned about was David. And when I read about how David was this shepherd's boy out on his own in the field, I could really relate to that. Because if I went to church, obviously, on a Wednesday and a Sunday, but in between that, I had no fellowship. You know, I had no other Christians. And none of my family were saved and and didn't want to be saved. Or none of my friends all dropped me for becoming a Christian. So I just talked to Jesus all the time, constantly talk to Jesus. He became my best friend, um, my closest confidant, and he just became everything to me, everything, and he still is. Um, this Bible, which I was scared of, which every time I thought of a Bible, I thought of this cross man in a suit with a big Bible. I now loved it. I loved the Bible, and I'd, I couldn't put it down. I just was so hungry, and I just wanted to learn and learn and learn. I wasn't stupid. I wasn't brain damaged. Jesus 
was helping me to learn his word, something I never, ever thought I could do, never mind teach. And I began to like do a regular children's club, and then I began to bring in youth once a month, um, give out tracks, and just just every time I could go, I went. And I got a lot of openings, you know, get to talk to people and stuff. And five-day clubs, um, you know, five-day clubs are difficult, but are amazing at the same time. They really, really are. Them, the Lord used a lot of them, children and people, to bless me without them even realizing there was one particular club. I got an opening to do a good news club in this housing estate. And it was the most challenging I've ever done. It was more challenging than being outside. We would have been in the kitchen with the children. And the adults who were young, you know, late teens, early 20s, would have been in the living room. And they would have just carried on as normal, shouting, you know, swearing, everything else. And you're in the kitchen trying to... But God's word, if God wants to speak, he'll speak regardless and we were you know we taught but this I'll never forget this one time I just got up to do the memory verse and these three young girls come out and sat at the table and I remember thinking I used to drink with them (laughs) I used to drink with these people and I've got to do this Lord help help my knees were knocking together and I couldn't even hold the memory verse up never mind teacher but the Lord just took over. And you know what? They joined in. They joined in with the children. They even told the kids off for messing about, you know. And it says in Isaiah 55, it says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now, Jesus gives every single one of us seeds to sow. So you know I'm a city girl. I have no interest whatsoever in agriculture or farming or anything. I know nothing. But I know that, you know, obviously each plant, each vegetable has a different seed. Um, each thing grows in its season that it's meant to grow in. Well, this, the seed that we sow, it's the gospel into lie, into the lost, into people that don't know it. And Jesus will give us the opening. And he will give us the people. But we don't know when the season is going to happen. And then it says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Everything you do for the Lord, every time you sow that seed, all these clubs, tracks, every time we teach or we witness, it will. it's not void. It's never, ever void, ever. It will accomplish what God wants it to accomplish because there will come a time and a season in those lives, like I believe these three women that were there that day, I honestly, with all of my heart, believe that there will come a time and a season when they will remember those words. And, you know, it's whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're here and you haven't called upon the name of the Lord, I just want to emphasize the whoever. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've got, what you haven't got. Whoever. You call upon the name of the Lord and he will save you. And we, the ones that go out and sow the seeds, we don't know when or where, but you know what? It's not our business. Our job is to plant the seeds and trust the Lord because salvation is of the Lord. So um, 
Isaiah 43 and 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Um, Two and a half years ago, this is quite still hard to talk about, but two and a half years ago, I'd been in a really bad situation for a long, long time. And things came to a head and took a turn for the worst. And it was a very difficult and a very scary time where I was surrounded by darkness and in a very toxic environment, constantly seeing and suffering and hearing everything I knew that was against God, stuff from the pit of hell. And this was grieving the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is grieved, it's very painful. And my kids were suffering. And they were at a very young age, so very tender age, they were teenagers. And during this time, I cried out to the Lord to help me, to rescue me, to help my children. There was a lot of stuff spoken over me. But it didn't matter. Because I knew Jesus was with me. He was with me. And I knew that, no matter what anyone said. And Jesus helped me, and still is. Because I became a single parent to three teenagers. It's fair, it, was, it wasn't, it, and it still can be difficult. It's challenging, and it's heartbreakingly painful. And I just felt like I'd been pushed in the lion's den, and I was surrounded by all of these lions. But I knew that Jesus was in that lion's den with me, and that he was fighting them lions for me, and he wasn't going to let them take me down, no matter what. The enemy was saying, Jesus wasn't going to let me go down. He wasn't going to let the fire burn me. He wasn't going to let me sink beneath the murky waters. He was with me, and he kept me and my children safe. He kept us under his wings. And during that time, this was such a hard time. You know, I was functioning in the, in the world. I was doing what I had to do. But when I got home... And my kids were in the rooms. I just, I just lay face down, and I just lay there, and just, just relied, just relied on the Lord. Um, I just, I just trusted in Him, and I just kept believing, even though it kept, it's, it felt like it was getting worse. I just kept believing that that Jesus was going to come through. Um. The enemy was filling my head with lies. He was saying I couldn't be a Christian anymore. I wouldn't be recognized as a Christian. I couldn't have fellowship. I couldn't teach anymore. I couldn't do outreach. And But I did keep the little kids club going for a while. And at the time we were teaching about Joseph. Um, I was teaching about how Joseph's brothers fired him in the well. And I began to really think about Joseph, you know, sitting in this well. And he's like 17 and it's dark, and he must have been so scared, and he probably didn't know whether or not he was going to get out of it, and he would have been able to hear his brothers just carrying on with the day, having the crack, and him shoved in this well by them, you know, and I felt like I was in this cave on my own, and Jesus knew I was there, but nobody else did, and at times I, I turned around that night after the children left and I said, Lord, am I going to make it? Tell me. 
Am I actually going to make it? And the next thing, one of my kids come down and switch my CD player on, just randomly. And that song came on, My Troubled Soul, Why So Weighed Down? You Were Not Made to Bear This Heavy Load. Now, I love worship music, and I love that song, but I hadn't been able to sing. And I, I mean, I can't sing, but I will sing. And I started to sing. And as I started to sing, I got up and I started to walk around the house and just with my hands up. And I just felt the spirit of the Lord rise up in me. And I just felt this strength. And I was just like, hallelujah, I'm coming out. I'm coming out of my cave. I'm coming out. And, you know, I was brought low, but the Lord saved me. He lifted me. He led me to a place far away from home to people I'd never met. But these people were real godly people, a lot older than me and a lot wiser than me, and just the right people I needed at the time to show me the love of God and to pray with me and to get me through. And I'll always be thankful to them because they got me ready to start to go to church again and be part of God's family again. And I went to Moon Gospel Fellowship. I'm still there now. And our pastor has a real evangelistic heart and a heart for the broken, which is brilliant because that's my heart too. And I'm learning there and I'm growing and I help out with free ministries. So much for what the enemy said, you know. Um, one of the ministries is Footsteps, which is a children's ministry where we go and we bring children with the parents' permission. <laughs> we bring children into the church and we teach them for an hour every Wednesday and we take them home again. And these children are from non-Christian homes, um, from some pretty pretty bad circumstances. And, you know, we teach them the word of God. The Staros ministry is for addiction. It's headed by Woody Price. Um, that comes once a month, so I would do the outreach for that. Um, when I was out giving out leaflets for this, there was a lady in my heart that I was praying for. And whenever I figured out where she lived and went to her door, she wasn't there. But I had the leaflet and, and a track, and I just said, Lord, when she comes back, just don't let her throw this in the bin or the fire. Just let her put it on the fireplace or somewhere and go to it when you lead her. And three weeks later, she contacted me through Messenger, and we were sort of talking backwards and forwards. And she came to church, and she gave her life to the Lord. So, And she's getting help now. She's an alcoholic, and, you know, she's getting help. Um, that's a really... It's just, the meetings for that are, are just amazing. Just to see people who've come from so much trusting in the Lord. And I also help out in children's church, still do outreach, still give out tracts. Um, I'm learning to trust. I'm learning to let people love me and believe that people love me because that was my thing. I never believed people. Just You're just saying that because you're a Christian, you have to. you know. But now I'm believing it. I'm, <laughs> I'm making friends. and um, I, I did five-day clubs there in the summer. I hadn't done them for two years. And I actually, I did it, like, you know, set them up and everything. The Lord, I didn't look for help, the Lord sent it. You know, I didn't have to look for it. The Lord just sent it. When I was doing the um, outreach for the second set of clubs, it was really tough. Um, it, I don't know, I don't know whether you've you probably experienced this. There was just a lot of resistance and a lot of darkness in the area. And it was, you know, it was hard. And I was really nervous about these clubs. Um and then on the day that we were starting them, I was kind of, you know, doubting, should I do them, should I do them, should I even be doing this? 
and then I witnessed an accident. A young guy came off his motorbike and it was serious. There was helicopters, you know, if they had to get the ambulance by helicopter and all, it was very, very serious. And it just brought home to me the urgency of bringing the gospel, you know, because I was praying for that young lad and I thought, where's he going? If he doesn't make it, where's he going to go? And that's the reality of it, you know, and that is the reality of it. And when you're hit with that every day, how can you not want to bring the gospel to those that don't know it? And I just thought of that lad and I thought, you know, he was from a really bad family, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I thought about the thief on the cross. He got saved in the dying moments of his life. You know, if we install the seed into people's hearts, then they have the information. They know what they need to know. We can't make them believe it, obviously, but they still know what they need to know. And I do believe, you know, at least they'll know how to be saved if anything was to happen, because I've seen too many people die and and, and not know where they've gone. Um, our young today are facing so much darkness, drink and sexual immorality and drugs. You know what? They're all acceptable. It's fine. It's no big deal. And only Jesus can break this cycle. My life was destroyed. Destroyed. But Jesus restored it. But I don't want to see anyone destroy their life. You know, I want to see young people know Jesus, you know, and not go down that road. Um, the children that came, you know, I would have praised the Lord for two children a day, but we reached 60 children and five adults. And I've been through many trials Many, many trials, but every trial I come out praising because I grow, I learn, and Jesus just blows me away even more, even more and more and more and more. It just blows me away so much. I've heard, you know, hold on to Jesus in all that you do. And if he tells you to repent, repent. Don't be stubborn. Just repent. <laughs> um, I've just, um, I was putting together a lesson for Children's Church a few, a couple of months ago. And I was going through a rough time at the time. But the lesson was about the fall. And in Genesis 3 verse 1, it tells us how the serpent led Eve to the tree of knowledge of good and life, of good and evil. <laughs> and, you know, I began to think about that because I think of the most random things. But I began to think, you know, Eve had all these trees, right, in the garden, all of these trees filled with fruit. And all of this fruit was free. She didn't have to work for it. She didn't have to pay for it. She didn't have to worry about it running out. And that's kind of what it's like for us as Christians. We've got this mercy and this grace, and we don't deserve it. And we could never earn it, but it's still it's endless and it's limitless. And the first thing that the serpent does is draw Eve's attention to the tree that she's not allowed to go to. And that's like his tactic to lead her to temptation. Because I don't think Eve would have took too much notice of that tree up until then. Because she had like a childlike faith. So God said don't touch, so she didn't. She didn't need to worry about it. And I believe that the enemy with Christians will constantly draw our attention to our issue to our problem, whether that's sickness or death or hardship or a struggle or a condition. 
the enemy will try and f draw your attention to it all the time to take your attention away from Jesus to make you struggle and not know God's peace but this is not what Jesus wants for any of his children when you're struggling please cry out to Jesus first and foremost don't run to your friend or your pastor or another Christian when you cry out to Jesus first and foremost he sends the people but he wants you to go to him first and then he'll send the people that you need you know to help you with whatever it is that you need help with he comes and he meets you and he'll clear your mind so that you can hear his voice above everything else one thing I've learned to do especially this year we need to talk back to the enemy you know we let him walk all over us and we've got to talk back to him when Jesus was in the wilderness he kept saying it is written you know the Bible is our guidebook but we need to use it and we need to do what it says so during this last trial that I'm just coming through I learned to do that and boy did it help it really really did it really stops you from such a battle um, I'm going to finish now I just want to finish with this verse Romans 5 5 and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given unto us the enemy will use what you're going through to bring you down he will and he will try and use your past to bring you down but to try and make us feel ashamed and to keep it a secret and not tell anyone but you know what the enemy wants us to have a victim mentality and when you've got a victim mentality you ain't gonna grow you're not gonna grow you're just gonna stay there and you're just gonna get better and i'll just be straight with you that's what's gonna happen that's that's it because i was there but jesus gives us new hope and he heals us, he lifts our guilt, he lifts our shame. But in Jesus, we become survivors. We become survivors. And not just survivors, we become victors of what we've been through. I am a survivor of abuse. I am a survivor of sexual abuse, of domestic abuse. I am a survivor. I ain't no victim. I am a survivor and I am a victor in Jesus' name. And the love of Jesus and the hope that I have in my Saviour leads me to victory over and over a day from glory to glory. But declare it. Declare it. Jesus is Lord. Jesus reigns. And Jesus wears the victor's crown. And we have victory in Jesus. Not in ourselves, but in Jesus. So declare that. And I just want to say, remember, he's real. Jesus is real. And you have victory in his name. And don't let the devil walk all over you. <laughs>